peoples of the worldwide federated internet what's good I will not tell you how many times I have recorded this episode right here. I've recorded this so many times. I've tried time and time again. Just video got messed up. Things I was trying to fix. It's crazy. Anyway, so I meant to, I wanted to upload this earlier, but I'm kind of glad things worked out the way they did. So I was in a wedding this weekend. I was in my brother's wedding which was a dope wedding, by the way. It was amazing. There's something so special about marriage. Me and my cousin, we had a, a slight conversation after the wedding ceremony. We're all waiting and taking pictures. And he made a comment to me and I thought, yeah, this is true. He talked about the fact that marriage is beautiful and this is the way God intended this. And we kind of got into a loose conversation about marriage, what it means, a representation of Christ and his bride, the church. Great conversation, but I, I, I love weddings. I love marriage. It's a great thing. In a world and in a society where marriage is disparaged as much as it is, we definitely need to celebrate marriage with every opportunity we get because the world is definitely not going to do it. So anyway, we're getting back to the book of Jude. Last time we left off, we were in verse five. So we're going to pick up in verse six. So without further ado, let's get into this. Okay, so I'm going to read verse five since that's where we left off last time, just so we don't lose our context. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believe not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. The judgment of the great day. I want you to keep that in mind. Now, I ask myself, okay, he hath reserved them in everlasting chains of darkness. What does that actually mean? When I read my Bible, I ask myself many questions, and this was one of those questions. So what sent my mind reeling even more is when I thought about something that was that uh, an account that was mentioned in the gospel of Matthew chapter eight. And I believe I want to pick up in verse 26. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, verse 26. And he saith unto them, why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he was come to the other side into the country of Gergensinus, 
I know I pronounced that wrong. There met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to what these demons said to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and remember the judgment of that great day. Remember that. And behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? They know exactly who he is. Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? So here's what we find out. These beings, they know exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and they know that there is a time of torment coming for them, but this isn't it. What exactly do they know? How much do they know? Clearly, they know that. <clears throat> so now, if you go back to the book of Jude in verse six, it says he hath reserved them in everlasting chains under under darkness unto the judgment of that of the great day. Now, initially, when I read this in my mind, what I pictured is these fallen angels in some pit in chains held confined. And I'm not sure that, that that's the correct picture. Now, are they confined to earth? Is that the deal? Because those those beings we saw in Matthew chapter eight, they were here on earth. And they had possessed some some humans, they, they had taken over a human host. This is very interesting stuff. This is the stuff that I think when most of us read our Bible, we just blow past. We don't even think about we think about other high and lofty things and pass right over these things. I don't have all the answers. I just have a lot of questions about this. Maybe I'll get more concrete answers later on. And maybe some of you smart theologians out there have all the answers. I'm not afraid to admit when I don't know. And I don't know a lot. That word estate that you see mentioned in verse six means in a general sense, fixedness, fixed condition, condition or circumstances of any person or thing, whether high or low. They left their fixed position. Mm, that's crazy. Verse seven, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. If you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know anything about that account, go back to the book of Genesis and read it. You know that God sent messengers into Sodom and Gomorrah. They were in the, the city center, if I'm not mistaken, angels that appeared in a form of men. Lot comes to him and he's like, hey, you can't stay here. Come to my house. You cannot stay here. Lot was super nervous and pressed, did not want them to stay there. They came, they finally came to the house. All of the men of the city came and they, the men, all of the men of the city, young and old, wanted to sleep with those men. They wanted to have them that they may know them as the King James Bible put it. Now, it's clear what that is. Now, now Lot tells them, don't do this wickedness. 
brethren. If I'm not mistaken, that's what he said, which is crazy. He called them brethren. But that was wickedness. Lot said that was wickedness. I'm going somewhere with all of this. A lot of people think if you proclaim what the Bible says is wickedness as wickedness, that means you're attacking them or you don't love them. Look, I didn't write the Bible. I didn't make the rules. I am not God. I have not always kept the rules. I am not perfect. My imperfection, my sin does not change what is sin. If you get what I'm saying, just because I'm imperfect, that does not mean that somehow I can now justify your actions. I can't. That word strange flesh. Now, what you have to realize when the King James Bible was translated, the word gay meant happy. So they wouldn't put that word there. And I don't believe the word homosexual or homosexuality was used at this time. So this is translated strange flesh. And I believe we all know what that means. But if you don't, I'm going to read the definition of strange. Foreign, belonging to another country, not domestic, belonging to others. Uh, new, not before known, heard or seen. Odd, unusual, irregular, not according to the common way. So they were going after strange flesh and fornication is mentioned in there as well. And the reason I want to point to that is because a lot of times we, we will put fornication at like a lower tier and look, I don't hate you. You know, it, it, this is not a message of hatred. I like to stress that because there's this thing where if you say anything about the gay and lesbian and whatever other community, it's seen as hatred. Look, I don't have to agree with your lifestyle, but I also don't have to hate you. And I also don't have to justify your actions. All of those things can be true at the same time. This is this is what God has prescribed and this is what God has said is wrong and sin. I can't now go against God and say, nah, nah, you're OK. And for those that think the New Testament has nothing to say about this, go ahead and read Romans chapter one. You'll come to a different conclusion. Now, again, I said all that to say strange flesh. Why was it translated that way? There you go. There you have it. Now, the interesting thing about the book of Jude, if you ever had a question about false teachers, uh, uh, how to know falsehood, how to see falsehood, you know, reading through the book of Jude, this is a this is a good place to start. In verse eight, the Bible says, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Now, that word dominion, uh, I'm going to look up the word dignities as well, because I meant to write that down and I didn't. This is what happens when you record a video like five times and you just cannot get this thing right. It's like it did not matter what I did. I just couldn't get it right. So anyway, I'll just stick with uh, dominion for now. Sovereign or supreme authority the power of governing and controlling the power to direct control use and dispose of at pleasure the greek word is kurites 
mastery that is concretely and collectively rulers, dominion, government. The Bible says that these filthy dreamers, what filthy dreamers is it talking about? It's talking about the people that were mentioned in verse four. You can go see my last video where I covered this. Verse four reads, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Suffice it to say, if someone denies the Lord Jesus Christ, that should be your obvious clue that yeah, something is wrong. But one of the things it points out is despised dominions. This was kind of strange to me. They don't want control. They don't want anyone over them. They don't want to answer to anyone. Sound familiar? Think about that wicked one, the devil. This is one of the reasons why I always say I am not against government. I'm against evil government, I'm not to make this political, but I, I agree in many regards to with Thomas Paine, who said government is a necessary evil. The problem with government is not government is people. People are evil. No matter what situation you have, no matter what what formulation, configuration of society you have, people will be evil. You will not escape that. But it says that these men despised dominion. They despised control. They despised governance. Again, one of the reasons why I always say I'm not against government. I'm, I'm not sure that that's biblical to be against government. Now, I am against evil and wicked governance, which let's keep it real. We're going to have wicked and evil people, unfortunately, Wicked and evil people are the ones that normally want control. So you're going to have wicked and evil governance. We have to do the best we can affect our society in whatever ways we can pray for our government and let our light shine and be salt and light. We can make a difference. Contrary to popular belief, we can make a difference. Now, again, these men despise dominions, filthy dreamers they defile the flesh they do things with their bodies that are wicked i don't think there's any need to to really go too much further from there now this is a verse that has always kind of puzzled me but i'm gonna say something it said yet michael the archangel when contending with the devil he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him railing accusations, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. The, the archangel Michael disputing with the devil over the body of Moses. Why do you think that might have happened? Well, in my opinion, the body of Moses would have been turned into made an idol had the people known exactly where he was buried, had the people had access to his body, I believe it would have been turned into an idol. And I think it, it, this is just me kind of piecing some things together. I am deducing from what I know of the Bible and reading this verse. This was the dispute. The devil wanted this thing propped up because he wanted an idol. 
Now, within the context of what what's going on in these other verses, think about these these wicked men crept in unawares, these filthy dreamers. I am very careful not to idolize men. I, there is men in the faith, brothers in the faith that I respect highly. These men are heads above me by far, but I don't turn any man on this earth into an idol. And I think many people do just that. And I think that's part of what allows these false teachers to creep in because people are not paying attention. Instead of focusing their eyes on God, they have turned men into idols. Imagine if the Bereans had made Paul an idol. They would have just believed whatever he said and ran with it. Now, Paul, arguably one of the most upright apostles in the New Testament, and the Bible says that when he spoke, the Bereans was like, yeah, that's cool. We going to go ahead and check the Bible to see if what you're saying is true. That's the way it should be. We should all be in our Bible consulting with what the Bible says with whatever it is that we hear. I think that's a that's a very good way to stay protected. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.